0: With the right hand now they get together and Leibold continues to rack up the majors here. Now Leibold to the right hand puts her down, and he's gonna dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leibold just loves to fight, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome.
1: I played major junior in professional hockey throughout my teenage years on the outside, everything looked perfect.
0: When you're hot, you're hot. Freddie Leopold with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight.
1: Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody. I submerged myself into hockey. That worked for a while until it didn't. Oxycontin led me to heroin. Heroin led me to fentanyl and everything else. Homeless on the streets of Hastings in Vancouver. Over three years of my life I've spent behind bars. But now I'm clean and fighting to get my life back. Everything I do is for the memory of Matthew wazinski and all of our fallen brothers and sisters in the hockey community. Matthew Lutzinski, Mitch Fatten, this one's for you. I lost everything and almost my life. My name's Brady Leibold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode number fourteen. Not number four. If you watched the last one, I said number three, and it was 13. Hey, my head's working right today, guys. Thanks for joining me. If you're watching live, I truly, truly appreciate it. And, uh, man, what a week. What a week it's been, finally getting settled in here in Gravenhurst, back in Muskoka, getting to see Taylor, getting to see the kids. Uh, it's, uh, It's still a trying process, but I have a lot of support. A lot of support you guys know who you are uh one very special person of course susan cook i'm sitting in her basement right now uh if you watch the last episode behind me that's her uncle harry sindon he needs no no introduction at all uh we got him watching over us he's over in boston still kicking at 88 years old and i'm gonna keep saying this just to put pressure on susan to call her uncle and be like hey can can i talk to him just for 30 seconds like because uh, that is a legend of all legends. Listen, guys, we're going to get right into the episode. Uh, but before we do, I need to address something. I need to address something that happened on social media. Now, I'm still fighting with myself on this one. All right. I'm still fighting with myself on this one, guys. But uh, hey, you know what? I'm going to uh I'm going to tell you guys the story anyways. Let's go. If this, if this hurts me, so be it. This is uh, and I'll tell you why I'm telling you this story before we get into the episode. So the other day, okay, friend of mine, Blair Buckman, good, good friend up in North Bay, sends me this picture. I am get I am most excited about getting to turtle that bitch 10 times this season, Zach Cassian, on what he thinks about an all-Canadian division. In brackets, most likely. Clearly a joke, okay? I learned something from this, guys, okay? So I post this, I post this, and, uh, you know, I go on to tell him, uh, post, tag him in it and say, hey, this guy's a warrior, he's an inspiration, he would be a dream guest on the podcast, love this guy, keep fighting, cast. whatever I said was all positive, okay? Within about three minutes, this is what shows up in my inbox. Check this out. Okay, so you guys can see he deleted the first message. I'm not even going to repeat what he said because it doesn't matter. He goes on to say, I highly recommend you delete this post. It isn't true and falsely advertised. Get a fucking life. I say, okay, sorry, man. Delete it. Don't make shit up. I didn't. It's gone, bro. Would never do that. Never in a million years. I continue to try talking to him. All of a sudden, boom, he blocks me. Sure, no problem. I get to thinking about it and I'm like, hey, what if? You know, I don't think he knows who I am. He he didn't look at the post. He didn't look at my profile. He just saw something that snapped and I get it. But this is something that I learned. Do not post memes. Guys get pissed off. I'm not doing it anymore, but I've seen way worse ones. And I feel like he should have a little bit thicker skin because if I am a fan, if I'm a Zach Cassian fan, say a young, young man going through something similar and I identify with him, And now he tells me to go get a fucking life because I'm posting something that I think he's going to think is funny and everything else. I think it's a little bit dangerous. So, Cass, no beef. I'm not mad. I don't care. I just think it's a lesson for both of us. I'm not going to post nothing like that. So, lesson learned for me. And, uh, you know, I was extremely disappointed when I saw that first message. I'm I'm not going to repeat it. You know what you said, bud. Uh, It doesn't matter. I still hope. I still hope I can get you on the podcast, um, and I'm still a fan, man. Because I mean, listen, you're a warrior, man. So let's get into it. You guys know this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issues connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something. Bigger community for all striving towards the same goal, guys. Check it out teamissue.ca. Promo code towdrag15. That's right, Tommy towdrag Get 15% off support. A WHL alumni, Jesse Paradise, my former teammate. This is his company, guys. We've seen Mark Stone rocking it. And guess who else we saw rocking team issued up here in Muskoka? The captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's right, John Tavares, cutting down a Christmas tree before Christmas with his wife and baby. In the team issue too, guys. So, pretty cool stuff. Um, Also, quickly, the Puck Support Swag Shop, uh, where you can get hats and sweatshirts and stuff, uh, will be available again in the coming weeks. New Puck Support headquarters. Really excited about it. Uh, We got some new partners involved. Somebody taking over the website. Thank God. I'm not a website builder. I tried my best, guys. I tried, man. I tried. Uh, Social media, not my thing either. So, Thank you. Uh, John Reynolds down in Dallas, Texas, taking over the web design. Mallory Clark down in Phoenix, taking over social media and branding. Thank you, guys. You guys are lifesavers and uh, lots of other people. We have big announcements coming. uh, But Susan asked me the other day, she said, hey, Brady, when's your one year clean? And I said, you know what? I don't really know the exact date because it wasn't, I'll be honest, it wasn't a planned thing. It's not like I went to rehab this time. I was like, this is when I'm stopping. Nah, it uh, it's somewhere between, we figured out somewhere between I think February like 6th and February 18th. So we're coming up on a year. This is the longest I've ever made it in my entire life since I started using. Um, so I'll put my horn on for myself. I don't really care because I couldn't even go five minutes before. So guys, um, we're going to launch everything new puck support, I think on my one year clean, whatever date we decide. So Susan, that's what we're going to do. This is the first that I've agreed to it, but Hey, it was your idea. So let's do it. Okay, guys, I'm going to shut up. We're going to get right into this episode and you guys know how it goes. Um, I prepare a little something for each of my guests. It used to be videos, but it caused me so much trouble. So, We're not doing that anymore. And this guy's uh, another tough guy too. So uh, I'm not trying to piss him off. So uh, I'll see you guys in a few minutes. Uh, Enjoy this. And uh, if anybody has any questions uh, for uh, Dinger or I, uh, feel free to uh, throw it up in the comments throughout the uh, podcast and we'll get to it. Um, Yeah. And enjoy this, guys. We'll see you in a few minutes. Well, there's a lot of things that i've done in my life that i would have never imagined doing just like i'm sure a lot of you have as well but in some cases my story might be a little extreme i was always a rebel a bit of a daredevil which included sneaking across the road while playing the brandon wheat kings just before the game to get a tattoo just minutes before going on the ice kids i wouldn't recommend it it didn't go over well with coach dean chanouth it's absolutely no secret that chewing tobacco has kind of been a part of the hockey culture for a number of years. Now, I don't want to promote tobacco products or anything like that for the kids, but I have to tell this story. I can still remember the first time I put a dip in my mouth playing street hockey with all my buddies, Ned Lukasovic, Jake Ebner, Kurt Astle, I was the first one to do it. And I was usually the first one to try anything. I remember having a video camera as I always did. We were always filming. I bet we all would have been YouTube stars. Who knows? But the head rush set in. I fell over the tennis court and I continued chewing tobacco for the next 10 years. It was when I reached Swift Current, Saskatchewan that I had a dip in my mouth all day, every day while I was awake and even sometimes while I was sleeping. I remember being on the bus with my best friend, Mike Hangen falling asleep with dips in our mouth, gagging as it's falling down our chest. It's not a pretty sight, but it's the truth. During my rookie season in the Western Hockey League, playing for the Swift Current Broncos in 2004-2005, we changed the name. It was no longer just Chew. We started to call it Dingman. It soon turned into so much more than just Chew, though. Mike Hengen's truck was called the White Dingman. And... Not because it had lots of dings in it from all the accidents we got in in Swift Current either. It was called the Dingman because of Chris Dingman. We were watching an interview and Chris Dingman was on the TV and it was clear that he had a big dip in his mouth. So did we while we were watching it. And we laughed and we laughed and we're like, yo, look at the size of that Dingman in his mouth. And so Dingman was born. It would seriously take me all day. To tell you how many different things we called Dingman. It was like the number one used word for our entire team that year. I went home and I had a little 1986 gold Dodge Omni that became the gold Dingman. I even wanted to have my license plate D-N-G-M-A-N. I'm not proud that I chewed tobacco and that I still do if it's around and I'm not promoting it, but it was part of our life. It's part of the hockey culture. It started to reach further than just Swiftkern. It started to take over the whole WHL. It seeped into my hometown, and now it's seeped into the entire hockey community. I first noticed it in my hometown of Port Coquitlam when I was sitting at the Tim Hortons a year after I had graduated from the WHL. I was sitting there with a couple of my buddies late at night, and in walked the next generation of young hockey players, 15, 16 years old. They were sitting down from us at the table, and I overheard the one kid said, hey, Throw me the dingman, And I stood up and I said, "'What did you just say?' With the scared look in his eyes, he's, he, I just asked him for his dingman. And I said, "'Where did you hear that?' They couldn't give me an answer, so I explained where it started. I was just blown away. And what really shocked me is when I was watching Letter Kenny a couple months ago, they even said, "'Let's throw in a dinger.'" Now, I don't know if anybody really understands where it all started, uh, I'm very confident that it started in Swift Kern. If it didn't, somebody needs to tell me. But we took it to a whole nother level. I have never met Chris Dingman personally. I've never spoke to him. And that's all about to change now. When I first started the podcast, he was on the top of my list. Mike Hangan's like, you have to get Chris Dingman. on." So many people, you have to get Chris Dingman on. And I tried and I tried and we kind of talked. And now the time is finally come and I couldn't be more pumped. When I posted the picture that he was coming on the podcast, with no surprise, all the boys were fired up. The original Dingman, all with the crying, laughing face. It's just such a small but funny story that's just created this kind of legacy throughout the hockey community. But who is Chris Dingman? In case you didn't know, he actually won two Stanley Cups and a WHL title. This guy was an extremely talented hockey player. How talented is Chris Dingman? Well, he got drafted 11th overall in the first round by the Seattle Thunderbirds in the WHL. Dinger got his start in the Western Hockey League with the Brandon Wheat Kings in 1992-93. After an extremely successful rookie season with the Wheaties, Dinger got drafted in the first round, 19th overall by the Calgary Flames in 1994. He followed that season up with a 40 goal campaign where he also chipped in with 43 assists for a total of 83 points while amassing 201 penalty minutes in only 66 games making him a triple threat. Dingman helped lead the Wheaties to a WHL championship. Standing 6'4 and weighing 240 pounds, Dingman dominated the Western Hockey League and moved on to the St. John Flames of the American Hockey League in 96-97. The following year he made the jump to the NHL with the Calgary Flames. Dinger would spend one more year in the AHL before becoming a full-time NHLer, that saw him win Stanley Cups in 2001 with the Colorado Avalanche and again in 2004 with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I really don't know what to expect with this interview because some people may know that I don't typically talk to my guests before going on. I, I don't like it when it feels scripted. I like it to just flow naturally and things to happen unexpectedly. I'm not sure if he's ever heard about the Dingman stories Maybe he can verify that it started somewhere else. I have no idea, but all I know is that this guy is a living legend, whether he likes it or not. To be honest, I'm more interested about hearing about how he won the Stanley Cups, where his love for hockey started, what he's up to now, and how his transition was leaving the game of hockey in 2007-2008. It's been a struggle for a lot of guys, and one of his arch-nemesises, Wade Belak, took his own life back in 2011. And since then, we've seen a multitude of deaths related to things like mental health and addiction in the hockey world. I anticipate I'll tell him a little bit about puck support, but this is all about Chris Dingman. So let's bring him in, guys. Without further ado, originally from Edmonton, Alberta, Chris (laughs) Dingman. There he is right there. What's going on, buddy? What an intro. Welcome to the show, man. Holy shit. Somebody wake me up. The time has arrived. The time has arrived. How's it going, my friend? It's going good. Just
0: uh, working and homeschooling
1: kids and, uh, yeah, <laughs> just trying to let pay go. for
0: di- diapers and youth hockey. That's hey, buddy. I I,
1: hey, I, I'm doing the same, but it's just diapers right now. I'm I'm hoping that it's going to be youth hockey one day, and I'm hoping I can afford it. Hey, before we get into it, let me ask you, you ever heard any of that stuff before?
0: Yeah, I, I actually heard it um <clears throat> Garth Brooks has a charity called teammates for kids. And, uh, you know, but it's for like, they have one for the baseball guys. Like the started with Larry Walker and all those guys. We did a charity game in Denver back in 99. And then they expanded it to hockey and football guys. We would always have a weekend in Vegas and they wrote, they started rotating between Vegas and Nashville. And so all the guys were part of the foundation. So for a guy like myself, who didn't score very much. You could donate per assist or per penalty minute. So but, yeah, it was a great weekend, and you got to meet a whole bunch of guys that, you know, it's like you played against, and, you know, you may have respected them or you may have hated them, and then you got to hang out with them, and uh, you ended up like them. And, you know, Milan Lucic was a guy. I love the way he plays, and it's funny. My 12-year-old, he loves him, and he loves uh, Chara. And
1: he's yes, a big kid was, like myself. Yeah, so, uh, yes. Sorry so, to cut you off. Yeah, see, I grew up with him. I grew up with Luch out in Vancouver. Uh, he's the one that told you?
0: Yeah, so he's like, you he mentioned that. Yeah, you know, we just call it like you're you're notorious. Like you said, you know, we call it, we throw in a dinger or dingman, and I kind of said to him like, I never chewed in junior. Like, I, like that's where, like I didn't. I, I started chewing tobacco a little bit in Tampa, or actually in the minors. Yeah. Uh, I chewed a little beach nut in St. John just because the bus rides are so long. But like I never chewed in junior. I tried lent on the bus. I tried Copenhagen, and literally started sweating, almost passed out, and I was sitting in my chair doing this, and going, oh my god, and. So it was funny. Like he was like, man, you were like notorious. Everyone like whatever, and I was like, that's awesome. But I never. So even you telling that story, uh, it's crazy. I'm notorious for something that I didn't even do. I think because I always had like facial hair and. And it oh, looked. A big guy. So yeah, I'm telling I like the
1: picture. It originated. I'm not kidding. And I just, I literally, I had to ask Hangy again, my best friend. That there was a couple of us. We were watching, and and you were playing in Tampa. That's when it started. And it looked like you had a dip. And we were sitting. I'll never forget. We were in like Uni, I think her name is Eunice Peter. She was a billet. And, and man, did we laugh. And dinger, I'm not kidding. Looch would have heard it. That it all started from Swift. I even verified Mikey's like, I'm pretty sure. So it's kind of funny. And like, I was watching. Did you see the letter Kenny episode? Uh,
0: yeah, I did. They watched a little bit. I started getting into it with my son. So
1: That's I mean, you? I like
0: that. So yeah.
1: That's you. When they, they talk, they're like, throw a dinger. That's all you, bud. Like, because like, it's just so funny. So uh, yeah, we had cars named after you. And, and it just went from, it wasn't just, Chew though, because it started with that dinger, but then it started to become everything was Dingman. I even when I was making grilled cheeses, they were grilled Dingmans. Like that's like even my my ex girlfriend was calling them grilled Dingmans. Let's make some grilled Dingmans. Like that's how far stretching it was. So, anyways, let's move on from that. I want to you know tell us a little bit of. A bit more about Chris Bingman. Where did, where did the love for hockey come from? Are you from a hockey family? Um, did it come easy for you? Uh, obviously, you're a first rounder to the Western League and the NHL. Um, I, I mean, come on. You're, not, you know, you're, re- you're recognized as a checker, <laughs> uh, remembered as a guy who, who banged it out. But let's be honest, you were a skill guy, a big skill guy that, that could put the puck in the net. So talk me through uh, your love for the game uh, as a kid and where that really came from.
0: Um, I guess like any Canadian kid is just from playing street hockey and going to the ODR. So we yeah, moved back to Edmonton uh, a couple of years ago and, you know, all those adjustments, but it was great. And part of it was we came home for Christmas and my oldest was like, why can't we just stay at Grandma's? And I just want to skate on the, you know, the ODR. And I was like, what's ODR? They're like, it's outdoor rink. And I didn't know that or whatever. So, uh, but it's been pretty cool. So, uh, but yeah, growing up is just like anybody, I just like playing hockey and you dreamed you were so-and-so and you are scoring the goal or, you know, in game seven. And, you know, I just remember I had a bad temper when I was younger, like really bad. <laughs> and yeah. um, I would get mad and whatever, but uh, I just love competing. And, man, if I lost, it pissed me off. Like I, I remember playing basketball and we were, in, uh, we were playing the city championships or the semifinals or something. We were up by, I don't know, 10, 12 points. The coach pulled me out, Mr. Suderman. He was a great guy, but he pulled me out like a minute and a half ago because he thought we were going to win. And then we ended up losing. I was so mad. I had these Air Jordans and chucked them across the gym. And it was poor sportsmanship. But, man, I just, I hated losing. And so I guess my passion, I just loved hockey. I loved it. It was a physical sport. And, you know, you could, you know, obviously when you're younger, you don't hit. But, uh, like, I always went and skated against older kids at the outdoor rink and, or the ODR, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just loved it. I like, I just, yeah, I love playing. Like, I, I was one of those kids, like, my 14-year-old's like this, where, you know, we went to the ODR last night, and it was like, Trying to get him like let's go, and he's like, well, no, a little bit longer. I'm like, dude, I'm pretty. Sick. We've been under an hour and a half, man. Like, I'm. I mean, I still work out every day, but like to keep up with those guys, it's, it's like you know they're good players, so it's it takes a toll on my body. And he doesn't want he didn't want to go home. He didn't want to get off. I'm like, oh, I'm getting home. So, yeah, I was one of those kids where, like, I didn't want to come home. You know, I wanted to stay out there even at recess. Like, they had a really good teacher, Mr. Chorney in grade five, and he'd come out and like he, I'd be the last one out there, and he'd come out and like, get in here and. You know, he let me fix the nets and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just loved it. I played, like, I played all the sports. i a, a lot of my kids played baseball in the summer, <clears throat> basketball, and volleyball, and then in high school, played rugby and football. I loved rugby. Like, I just me too, know, football, yeah, but-
1: I, rugby was my, I just, actually, it's funny. I just posted a picture two days ago about my, I got an MVP for middle school being the scrum half, whatever, but I thought I lost it years ago. And now, and and that's actually what I'm finding. A lot of these kids that are on Instagram, they're like, oh, you played rugby. I'm playing rugby. And I, that's a question I want to ask you. You're, you're telling me a little bit about your kids and, and you're telling me they're, I'm imagining they're, they're, you know, they're elite hockey players. What is your take um, as a former, you know, NHLer now with kids that are coming up and, uh overtraining uh playing too much hockey cuz we go back when you hear you know Wayne Gretzky don't <coughs> play hockey all year but now you see that the it's crazy it's a it's a 365 uh sometimes 7 days a week job and and to compete and to stay focused and you got to start like in my opinion you have to start reeling that in at like 13 14 years old now and I feel like there's a lot of pressure on these kids but you know if you Do you feel that if you pull back from your kids, they're going to miss out because they're not doing that extra session? Or do you see um, value in in taking time away from that?
0: Um, Like I was always like my kids love skating, but I was always a rest guy. And, you know, I was always an overtrainer because I had bad metabolism and I was always trying to lose weight. And during my first year, I think I was 226 or 228 and then I was 230, 232. And then I played I was between 232 and 236 and, you know, my body fat started at 12% and I got down to like eight and I was always overtraining because I was trying to lose weight and I saw dietitians and I actually put myself on weight Watchers going into grade nine because family members of mine had done it. So I had the booklet. So I actually folded myself up and off like 20 pounds. And, you know, I went from like 214 in grade eight at six, one to like 195 or something. And I was leaner and I was comfortable taking my shirt off and, Stuff like that. So I was like a chronic trainer, and uh, I went and saw this trainer by the name of Charles Polk, when he was the guy that got Gary Roberts back after he broke his neck. And mm-hmm. I went and saw him, and I was like, i got to work out six days a week. He's like, no, you don't. I'm like, yeah, I do, you know, like two hours a day, whatever. Like, I was like big time. And he's like, no, you don't. Like, come see me. If you don't like it, don't pay me. And his confidence, I had to ask questions like, why am I doing this? And he loved it. And I had other trainers where if I asked him a question, they'd be like, well, if you don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like that's not I'll do it I'm a hard worker I'm notorious for you know. I love training I still work out you know five six days a week and uh you know he was like you know he was like you're over training you're over training and I, I didn't know that till I saw him and then he's like do this go back he goes go home and follow this program for two weeks all the diet which wasn't really a diet it was just basically if it doesn't run on land or swim in the ocean if it's not green it. and then you know, I had protein shakes you work out weights in the morning and Two days on, one day off, one day on. He goes, follow it for two weeks if you don't lose weight or if, you know, you don't see results, don't pay me. I was like, wow, this guy's got balls, man. And I followed it, and I lost, like, 12 pounds in the first, you know, like, two weeks. And I felt great. Like, you know, other times, you know, when you saw a different nutritionist and, like, I was always tired and sluggish, whatever. So, yeah, just stuff like that. So, Mike, is uh, getting back to where your original question. I ramble on. So, sorry. I could kill No, myself. no, man. Please, You can By ask all- me two. Yeah, you can ask me two questions. I did TV in Tampa, so. The guys that give the long answers are the best because you have time to formulate your next question. It's the guy Yeah, what did you think of the game? Well, it was pretty good. We played well. And they're like, oh, my God, I don't have my next question set up. So, anyways, yeah. Um, so yeah, for my kids, uh, like they love playing hockey. And like, so we had to make up our dad in Tampa. And so we practice two, three days a week. And then on Sundays, we I ran like a four-on-four. Four. We did a couple drills and they just have fun. And, you know, we did that. And I, uh, I was always – and it's like there's this thing on USA Hockey, it's called the race to nowhere. Where everybody needs their kid to be the best at eight or ten or twelve, and I'm you know, like I'm guilty. Like I want my kids to be great players, and they're not the best, but they're really good players. And you know I don't want them to be the best. I want them to chase other people. But the flip side of that is that you need to you need to have rest and have recovery. So like my wife and I actually coached together oh yeah. yeah for years and it was great because she you know as a guy you know sometimes you go back and forth with a kid and as a female it's like what do i ask you to do, did you do that no okay well have a seat and let me know when you're ready to listen i was like whoa and they didn't when a like when a woman says like because you know, it's that mom thing where there were guys kids would yeah. listen, like, they'd yeah. me, talk back to me and she would say something you know whatever but um you know like he's like we had this saying like you handed us a turd and i was like what do you mean like you handed us turd like, you know, this kid hadn't slept. Like, they didn't put him to bed. Like, he, you know, he was up late, and they didn't feed him. Like, with this one kid in particular, and he was a great kid, and he, he was always on the verge of a meltdown. And because there was so much pressure from his parents, his mom would show up late all the time. We'd like, listen, hour before the game, we're going to do a little warm. Nothing crazy. Like, you know, it's 10-year-old. You know, just an hour there before the game, and, you know, and just would warm up, whatever. And, you know, like, she always come rolling in at, like, 30 minutes before. And the poor kid, like, it wasn't his fault. But you give him like a bottle of Coke and Skittles, and like you know that, like the sugar rush is like, whew, you know, it's like whatever. I'm gonna or whatever. Is that You know, we go like this, he go like this, and then so we had that saying, like you had us a turd, where you didn't feed your child, you didn't, you know, you, they didn't have proper nutrition, they didn't, they weren't well rested, and they got a meltdown. And then you know, if we didn't, there was a lot of pressure, and like in Tampa, like people are competitive. there. like there's really good hockey and it's expensive, and people invest money, in, and part of you know, investing money is it's you know, they want to win. Like they, you know, we we had to travel a lot to go to tournaments, they want to win. And if we don't win, it's like our fault. And I'm like, Well, yeah, but I didn't keep the kid up till midnight. My kids were asleep at 9 30 and like we were in the room or yeah. whatever, maybe. So yeah, I'm a big proponent of like rest and you know, training properly. I have that background. My wife's uh she's taking a couple of classes and you know, nutrition and stuff, and she you know, like she's worked out with me and you know she's that we just had she just had a baby and she, like she's got a six pack and I don't. I'm like a rapper. I have a two pack. So, you know, we're big into nutrition and, you know, healthy lifestyles and stuff. And even my 12 year olds like, Oh, I'm bad. I'm like, you're not, buddy. You Relax. You're, you know, so there's so much pressure on kids. And, you know, I really, I truly try not to do that as a parent with my kids. Like I don't force them to go to the rink, I ask them if they want to go. And, you know, we've been going to the ODR lately just cause, uh, you know, one of my kids, one of my son's teammates, uh, you know, he's a competitive tennis player too, but he's asked him to go. And he's like, I don't have any friends because all this stuff, like, what's lost on everything getting shutting down, shut down, the youth sports and, you know, work and schools is it's, this is an outlet for kids and it's yeah. tough on the parents, but man, like my 12-year-old's like, I don't have any friends because his outlet was his hockey team. And he was like, we had our cohorts. some older boy, he was with us or with his team and his team, like they practiced together, they're in the same class. They rode the same bus. And my twelve-year-old, like he was, like he was home with his sister. Another night, he went to hockey practice, and that was his outlet. And you know, we lose fact to, uh, you know, we'll go to what gets lost. You know, stuff that's going yeah. on is that, like, this is an adult problem, not like much yeah. of nutrition and behavioral stuff. Is it, you know, this is an adult problem. This isn't a kid problem. Like, yeah. the kids aren't the ones that are staying home partying and do whatever, and you know, get spiking the COVID cases. It's the adults that want to go to gatherings and want to whatever. It's tough on everybody, but. So yeah, it's uh you know so I know I'm rambling on on this answer, no no, just man. With no my, <clears throat>
1: loving yeah. I'm loving it man you're 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 killing it right now I love it and uh you know it's a great point and and you know I think what what I thought about the other night dinger is like you know I you know I'm I'm really focused on on you know helping uh, the hockey community certainly players that are you know early in retirement. Um, just talking them through stuff because you know, it's a, it's a struggle. I don't know. We can get into that, how it was for you, uh, leaving the game. Um, and that is sort of what I, I kind of identified and and maybe you can uh, disagree with me or agree with me on this is that these kids are kind of going through that because their hockey is just all of a sudden shut down and now they don't have that outlet sort of just like when, you know, I stopped playing hockey and bro, it just got shut down on that outlet. And, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's different for kids, but it's, it's extremely dangerous. And, uh, you know, these kids, they do need an outlet. I I think it's super important. So I think it's, it's great that the ODRs are open, whether or not the police out there are great. I saw them arresting Ocean Weisblatt, the American league hockey player on the ODR out there. Did you see that? Yeah, but there is, I know there's stuff to it. I'm not going to get into it. I was just kidding. Um, actually, um, you know, there's, there's always two sides to every story. And if he would have just got off the ice, it would have, it would have just been fine. Like you're never going to win with, with police. Trust me, take it from me. I might know a thing or two about that. Um, But let's get in. Let's get into you know you're you're breaking into the NHL or, or actually let's go right back to the dub. I want to know about playing for the Wheaties because there's a lot of history there. I had Brian Prop on the show. Um, you know, obviously a Wheat King legend there. Uh, you're you're a Wheat King legend. You know what I mean? You are. Uh, you know you you captain the team uh, to a WHL championship. There you are. There. Um, What was that like, man? I never even made it through the first round, uh, in, in any league. So tell me about about your experience in junior and, and, you know, seeing the transformation of you and the teammates and ultimately winning that championship dinger. Like, what was that? Like, I could see you starting to smile and thinking about it.
0: Oh, it was great. I, I, I don't know. You play sports and you develop relationships that are lifelong. And, you know, with Kelly McRibbon, I went back and, uh they had to go back and I dropped the puck for the when they hosted the Memorial Cup and you know, I went back and I was like I sure because my billet uh, my bill lady Donham and she's you know passed away from cancer but she was like are you gonna come back I said I don't really want to be back she's like yeah like, I already talked to them they want to know so like just you know get yourself here to take care of everything so I went back and I dropped the puck and I got a standing ovation and I was like I was almost crying like I was like oh my god like you know like you had an impact or whatever I was just a hockey player and I man, we got in some fights, we got in some brawls, and, oh, man, we had a good old time, but you rode a bus for, you know, our closest trip was three and a half hours, I got traded for, I was one of the guys in the Chris Osgood deal, so I was drafted by Seattle, and then, uh, so they flew me, my parents out to Seattle for the Memorial Cup, and I'm like, this is awesome, because I'm a drummer, and I'm a music guy, you know, I'm a metal guy, primarily, but I like, I like all kinds of music, country music, and alternative, and stuff like that, and I was so pumped, I'm like, hey, I'm going to Seattle, and then I get a call two days later, and it's like, hey, it's Kelly McCrimmon from the Brandon Weekends. We just acquired your rights. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, you know, like, whatever. So I'm like, I said to my dad, like, where's Brandon? Like, Brandon what, Benetton? And I was like, yeah. And I go, so we look, we, you know, so we pull out, we look, and there's like 42,000 people. I was like, oh, my God. I, I didn't want to go. I thought I was, you know, like, crappy, and they didn't want me. And, you know, and I was like, just give my parents, were like, just go and try it. If you don't know, like, you can come home, whatever. It's you know, so like I got dropped off with this family, the hams, and they had a <clears throat> they had a three-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl and which was a huge adjustment because I have an older sister who's two years older than me and yeah I, I, before my bell, before Donna passed away I, you know, I made sure I said her like you had a profound effect like living with you like made me a better parent made me a better coach because like having to live with younger kids that didn't always listen yeah. and you know or, like hanging off your pants you got two pairs of jeans in your they're ripping your back pocket and you only have two pairs of jeans till Christmas time you get a little fired up because they ripped your pocket, and like, you know, maybe she doesn't understand, but you know, like, I only had so many shirts, and she'd throw my shirts in the dryer. And I was a bigger guy, and I'm like, I get so mad sometimes, and you know, like, and, and, and anyway, so that was all the, an adjustment. And, and I told her, I was like, you were really, like, you, your family was a big reason, kind of joking that I got drafted in the first round. She's like, why? Because it was like, the kids would be up and they'd be loud, and you know, pregame nap. You'd have a yeah. pregame nap. And whenever the kids are home, like, it was, they were like, they were such awesome people. Like, I'm not saying anything bad, but, you know, like, if you tell them, like, my kids are 10 and, like, 12 and 14, and you tell them to be quiet, they're like, shh, like my 12, shh, shh, so, like, you know, she's, like, quiet, he's sleeping, so they're like, shh, shh, and they, like, try to be quiet, and they wake me up, and I'd be so mad, you know, just because I got woken up, and I was just a grumpy bear, and, like, I'd be leaving, and she's like, he's going to kill someone tonight, so, like, a lot of the fights I got into, and a lot of the anger was like it wasn't even the other guy's fault I got hit and I was so mad because I got woken up and whatever It was just so it was great like it was uh you know it was humbling uh, because you go in and you think you're good and you know whatever and I remember Bobby Lowe's he was awesome like he just oh he was intense we got in brawls and I didn't get in a fight with him I'm saying like as a team and organization we got into brawls and I remember uh, I showed up at camp and I had these earrings I had three down low and one up top because I was you know thought I was cool and he took one look at me, and he goes, you don't think you're keeping those effing things, do you? And I was like, wow, I thought I did. He's like, no, if you're going to play here, get those freaking, you know, out of there. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And that was like, that was like my, not come to Jesus, but it was like, you know, yeah. you might be good. You're a first-round pick or whatever. We, you know, we had Mike Tabanski, Colin Cluchet, and Marty Murray, and Bobby House was a veteran, a second-rounder to uh, <clears throat> Chicago. and You know, so you had these older guys, so you know, you had to pay your dues, and had to get a skate bag or the you know the skate sharpener and the stick bag and all that stuff, which is great for you. So, I mean, it was a great experience. Uh, I don't think it changed it for the world, but after like we had the lockout after we won in 04, we played some charity games, like Ryan Smith did some games we played in Western Canada, and then I played two games at the University of Michigan and uh, Michigan State or whatever. And oh my god, like those guys they had three bedroom condos and flat screens, and I was like, oh my god, I made the wrong choice. I mean, I would, I'm joking, but I'm like. Like, these guys lived life. Like, it was, like, they were nice arenas. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, the Crush Can. no uh, oh, yeah. Stuff, yeah, back in the day, that wasn't really. Oh, yeah. Arena. And Brandon's awesome. Like, it smelled like, you know, horse crap during the, certain times of the year when they had the fairs yeah. and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it was, like, it was great. Like, all the whole series. So we of went on the West Coast trip and, you know, playing, like, 13 games in seven days or whatever it was. And, you know, 21 hours out there. And I'll never forget the one year. <clears throat> this is, like, Bobby Lowe's. when you, when you won, you watch a movie, you know, you had the little tiny TV at the front of the yeah. bus. And, uh, so when you won, you watched the movie and we lost, you didn't. Yeah. And there was no iPads. There was no cell phones. You had your disc, man, you know, you had a three delay skip or whatever it was or the three second delay, skip delay or whatever. You yeah. had that. And then, uh, you had a book or you played cards or whatever. So yeah. I forget we had a good West coast trip and we were like five and one, I think it was. And we were going in the last game against, uh, uh, Portland, and that was like you know we come out to city destruction. There's like fifteen thousand people. The place is rocking, and I think I scored the first one, I'm not sure, but it's irrelevant. But score up on nothing. Well, they scored ten straight. So like <laughs> after three goals, I get in a fight, and then I get into almost five one, then six. I get, you know, I get, you know, just doing anything to get out. so I get. You know, so we have a good trip we end up like i think it was like five and two which is unbelievable you can go 500 you know like yeah. you go west yeah. or east you go 500 it's yeah it's considered a good trip and so we're on the bus and it was like we wait a couple hours whatever I'm like hey those of you watching movies like you know that off no chance we're like okay so we go to bed and this is a 27-hour bus ride so like we go to bed we wake up the next day and we're like hey so you think we watch a movie today and he's like you know there's no watching yeah. the movie so we oh. went twenty seven hours. We stopped and uh I think it was Medicine Hat and we had the old veal cutlets with the gravy and those McCain uh, you know, squiggly fries whatever. Thanks. Great <laughs> meal, by the way. And then so we we got like three hotel rooms and all the veterans went first and everyone showered, whatever. We got back on the bus and yeah, twenty seven hours, no no movies. So you know, it gave me appreciation of uh trying to win every game because uh it wasn't like things are obviously different now, but you know, Bobby was great. He was intense. Like, he yelled at guys. He blew a whistle in my face. I tried to make a passive practice one time and knocked it down. He was like, just far from my face. He's like, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10. That's what my psychiatrist tells me because of blah, blah, blah. Like, you get the fucking like, I was allowed to carry the puck in my first year. I'm playing of Colin Couche, I think, it was the third overall picking the up draft. Mike Dubinsky, I think, it was like sixth or seventh. And we're on the fourth line. You start on the fourth line. Yeah. And, we weren't allowed to carry the puck in, like, it was, like, chip it in, and go get it, and, you know, you paid your dues or whatever, so, I mean, it was great, I mean, I would, would I like to play more, absolutely, but, you know, you knew where you were, and you paid your dues, and you learned the game, and uh, you respected the veterans, and, I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world, but you, it was, like, good times, and great people, and, you know, even, I remember, when I went back, and I, and a couple times, I went back, I did the sportsman's dinner, and, they're like, hey, you wanna come? Like Rick is still there and like just great people, like just like everybody's still there, you know, and his his daughter's still there, his wife and stuff. And um then you go back and you know, you hear all these stories and I just love this one story. So I was going through town with my twelve year old to for a hockey tournament or in And so I reached out to Dilly and I was like, Hey, you're coming through? Can I stop in? and say, yeah, sure. So Scott Lady's he's, he's a trainer, so the late you know, so Scooter's there and then uh, Darren Richie, my old line the one here was uh you know, he's a GM or whatever, so he's you know, he went to the tour of the locker room. So, like, it's way nicer than when I played. Like, I was like, where was this when I played that? And like, they got their own separate change room. And it's, oh, yeah. and it's really nice. Like, they have all the pre- previous captains, all this other stuff and whatever. So, then they're telling the story. Like, <clears throat> so my kids have seen me fight and whatever. So, you know, so Rich was like, hey, it's, in my, it's a story sort my 12-year-old. He's like, yeah, hey, I don't know about your dad, but he's a little, you know, crazy. He used to fight a lot. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, you yeah. know, like, whatever, you know, whatever. And then it was like, yeah, we got on this brawl one time in Regina. And it was my second year. We were, I was 17. And it started I was a line brawl. It was like Darren Ritchie and Marty Murray. Those guys were on the ice. And then, like, so Clutch and I, it was the end of the game. Clutch and I jumped over. And then Bobby, those us. So Rich is telling the story. And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, great. A bench-clearing brawl. So Rick Dillable comes out of the office. And "Dilly's one of the best guys. And Dilly goes, yeah, you know what's funny about that story? he goes, I'm, t- you know, I'm in the stands or whatever. And I see grown men sprinting up the aisle and i'm like okay and he's like i couldn't figure out what they're doing he goes they were sprinting up the aisle and they come down double-fisted with pop or soda whatever i call just so they could throw it at you on the ice so he's like i could never see that before he's like grown men they're sprinting up the ice and like you're buying soda or pop whatever i call just so they could throw it at us and he's like number one like why would you do that he's like number two why are the concessions still And he's like this was a good 20 minutes after the game it was in Regina, the AgriComer. Or- whatever yeah. the old agriplex whatever it's called yeah i hated, I people, that oh, I hated oh, yeah.
1: playing that was my least favorite rank to play i think
0: oh my god yeah so it was uh yeah like people were throwing batters at us and stuff and whatever and it was like i went a little crazy and we went this like bobby went in the stands and you know but everyone <laughs> was on the ice like our bus driver Mogi was on the ice he was awesome our owner plumber kramer was on the ice and i just remember in the locker room after and Crewmer took his suit jacket off and he like had like pop and deer and spin whatever and he just wiped it off and he goes that's hockey. and I was just that, hilarious like the next game like so I got one game and Bobby Lowe's got one game that was it and like I should have got like I don't know probably like, this day age would have got twenty five or thirty but uh, got <laughs> one game and then the next day like the next game like, it was like an no hitter you know like those games where you know you hear about the old Prince Albert and like uh, Saskatoon teams like, in the eighties and stuff where. You know, they had Twister and all these guys and Kibble like yeah. all these stuff. Th- like, and they yeah. go take the other team's net. Like, you didn't realize why there was another why there were separate warm ups until you hear the stories where if a team's really tough, they go grab the other team's net and bring it down to their end. And oh my god, I just gotta tell you this one other story before I get. Yeah, yeah. Please, I love, it, man. I love
1: it. I love it. I love it.
0: Oh, I just love these stories because they're just so crazy. That they're whatever. So my best friend, like, like in junior high, high school, like, so I met my wife through him. He drives down like 10 and a half hours straight to watch me play an exhibition. And you don't really realize why well, you have these rules until you hear a story. That's why I love hearing the stories about the old days, you know. Like, and I mean, obviously, like, you know, it's like concussions and stuff. I've had a lot of concussions and, you know, my memory's not that great and stuff. But, um, you know, like, it's the game's totally different. It should be whatever. But the stories, I still like, they're just so crazy. It's just, I, people love hearing them too. So, uh, we're playing in, uh, so my buddy drives down to watch me play. And it's preseason. In preseason, the veterans are all trying to get kicked out because they're on the team, whatever. Yeah. And so we have separate warmups and we're playing uh, Moose Shaw. And they had this tough guy, uh, something, Van Steinberg or something. He came from the West. <clears throat> and I guess he skated over the red line. And Kluge, called Kluge, they clothesline him. And so I'm like at the hash marks, like, you know, Brandon. And I'm looking around. Like, no one within 10 feet. like, yeah, everybody? Turn around. Everyone's in center ice. So, I draw my gloves, I go flying over, and I grab a guy. And, you know, I must have dummied like four or five guys. And they was all right in front of my billets and my buddy. And I was like, hey, they all jacked up. So, I get kicked out. I don't even play play a shift. And so, Kelly's, Kelly McCrimmon's telling the story. He's in the office, and this older lady came in. She's like, do you have any idea what's going on out there? It's like the WWF. Oh God, everyone's fighting. I want a refund. And Kelly goes, hey, you're not getting a refund. Be with the frame. I did. She was sitting here talking to you. And he came out to watch the the brawl because Krim is an old school guy. So long story short, my buddy drives 10 and a half hours. And I don't play a shift. Like I don't play a shift. And, you know, after having a couple beers in my billets house, and you know, whatever. And he's like, oh man, I would have loved to watch you play, but that was awesome. <laughs> but I would have loved to watch you play, but man, that was odd, And there's just crazy stuff like that. And, like, it's just, yeah. So you don't,
1: you're so, like, you don't, yeah. Would never see that. We'll probably never see anything like that again. Hey, eh? like it's,
0: uh, yeah. Maybe.
1: <laughs> what would happen? What would happen now if, if that happened now, man? In the WHL, these guys would probably get suspended for life. Yeah, I
0: don't know.
1: Maybe ten games, twelve games. 10, 12 games. <laughs> hey, before we what, let's get into. Let's get it. I love, man. I love these stories. I want to get into some NHL stories. Tell me about. You know, obviously you break into the NHL after being in the American League, uh, pretty standard uh for everybody that makes that journey. Uh St. John's to Calgary. Uh some time in Calgary. Um, but your time in Colorado, wow, winning the Stanley Cup with those guys. Tell me a little bit about that dinger. And uh, you know, it you know, being <coughs> around some of those uh some of those guys, Sakic and uh just amazing, man. Like what was that yeah. like Patrick?
0: <clears throat> oh it was it was unbelievable. Like it, um, like I loved it. It, because I want to win. I'm competitive. I want to win. I don't care what I'm playing. I want to win. And, you know, I went there from Calgary. And Calgary, you're just trying to make the playoffs, and you know, guys are all drinking night before the game. And you know, Theo was not as, as bad as he was say, in New York or Chicago. But uh, before the, you know, all the Graham game stuff came out, which was obviously yeah. terrible. But, you know, guys would go out and like. I mean, Theo could go and have, you know, our many vodka tonics and score a goal and assist the next night or whatever, but so guys are doing But Colorado, Colorado. Like, so Calgary you are just trying to make the playoffs. Like, our goal is to make the playoffs. And Colorado, was our goal is to win the Cup, and then, you know, the first year we traded for Ray Borick and um, we lost in seven games to Dallas, and the next year, which our was going to come back, well, the next year it was, like, our goal is to finish first overall, so if we have a game seven, it's in our building. Anything less is unacceptable, and it was awesome. Like, and there wasn't pressure from Ray or anything. Like, Ray was like, Fuck, don't win it for me. Win it for yourself. Like, Ray Bork was one of the best guys. Treated me awesome. So, asking how Colorado was, it was unbelievable. It was the best players in the world and the best guys. So, when you see guys that have attitude now and, like, even now, like, you're, like, you're not that fucking good, man. Like, sorry. Like, I don't know. Like, I was good, but I wasn't that good. Like, Jesus, I was lucky to be on a team and I knew that. And those guys were unbelievable. Like, hardly was a, you know, total, like, he was a dick. He shit on guys he could. And. Third and four flying guys, he calls plumbers and whatever. And you know, there's an instance where you know you get put in bad positions and stuff. Well, we're up like seven-nothing in the first period against Vancouver. And who do they have on their team? Well, they got Stradock and they got Brassir. And Sandus Ozilich has a natural trick. A guy not played against Brashier. And I had friends in town from Edmonton, a guy, a guy I played baseball with, who went to the Canadian, who went to the Junior League World Series together. <clears throat> he's in town. he's at the game? Well, he puts me out there against Brashear and the new- Brashear in and neutral zone face off and says don't fight well what am I supposed to do so I line up and bash is like let's go and I'm like "Bob's well, like don't fight don't fight I'm like you heard him I'm like I can't fight he's like come on let's go I'm like you heard him man I can't fight he said well I'll tell you what you can fight me right now I'm gonna run around I'm gonna sucker Pete and Joe to fight everyone just right now I'm a guy like whatever like there's tough guys from the old and whatever but like then he just got the fight over with and then because he had to do his job and you know whatever <laughs> To show he was trying to do something. And then when you fight, nothing really happens. It's when you don't fight, the guys, you know, people get hurt, I think, like, in my opinion, anyways. So I fight him, yeah. and it was an okay fight. You know, it was typical Bashir. Like, you know, you had a lot of, like, rummaging around, whatever. And, you know, it was just an okay fight, nothing crazy. Well, I don't play another shift. The rest of the game, it's like, there it was five minutes ago in the first period, I think, or ten minutes maybe or something. So <clears throat> I don't play the shift the rest of the game, and it hardly calls me in after the game. And he's like, you think you're bigger in the team? You don't have to listen. have you, nice time you would have got tonight, you're going to get back tomorrow. show up in the rink at eight. We're going on at nine because we're practicing. And then we're going on the road. So he was going to bag skate me by myself. And I didn't know this after the fact, but so my friend and his girlfriend or wife or whatever, uh, they're waiting for me after and I got to go for dinner. I don't know if I'm getting set down or what. And, like, I just, it was the worst. So I got to go for dinner and, like, talk to him. And it was just, and I call my wife after. I said, I think I'm done. I think I'm toast. I think I'm going down. Um, but I didn't know. So, you know, I barely sleep and just some um, nerves or whatever. And show up the next day. And, you know, like, I'm sick, taking a crap or whatever. And uh, Bob kind of, like, hey, can I talk to you whatever. And i like, I start showing up. Like, eight, you know, like 830. And then, uh, you know, Bob, like, no. talk
1: to you. He did not skate your whole team because of you.
0: No, no, he didn't skate anybody. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. So like the boys went to bat for me. So I didn't know but like the, oh. uh, after the game, a bunch of the vets like so Sakik you know, and Hodgers, like Hodgie, great guy, like Sackic Audgers, Deadmarsh, Adam, foot, um, a couple other guys I don't know, but they went into the office so, like, what are you doing, man? Just following the toughest guys, and Bashir didn't do anything the rest of the game. He's like, he didn't think he has to listen. He was like, he's on a flight to Hershey. And Adam Foote, who was a great guy, he just verbally abused me. Like we were buddies, but he just chirped me like so bad. Like, how many chicken wings you have last night you fat? Whatever, blah blah blah. But I guess he guys would tell me he went over the desk at Arlie. He's like, You you know, whatever. Bro. You send him down, you buy me a plane ticket too, because I'm out of here. And I didn't know that, whatever. So,
1: yeah, that's was, a uh, TV, man, that's sick. I love to hear that shit. That's uh, awesome, man. So over
0: so so, that- so, 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 you know, so Patty Wash shows up literally, like 8:45. And he looks at Bob like, I don't really have to get dressed, do I? And that was so you know, in practice, like, hey dear. Guys told me Dish, like, hey Dish, good job. And he's all positive. But guys were, like, cause he talked to me, like, hey, if you don't listen to me, why would anyone else yada I'm like, I wasn't not listening to you. I was doing that so he didn't hurt one of our top guys. It's like, that's the way I grew up, man. Like you put me in a bad position and whatever. And he's like, oh, I wasn't gonna skate and guys were, like, Oh, he would have buried you because he was a tourist that, but just so, like, a great group of guys. And, like, I like, uh, hit him high one time, the chin guard. And, like, again, Bob's screaming at me, God, there's a Tabernacle Steve. Going on and on. Jacques Couchet, they're screaming at me, I'm like, Patty, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I knew not to shoot high on Patty. Wall. Like, everything was below his knees. There was nothing. Like, there was one time I shot on him high, but everything, and he's like, they're screaming at me. And Patty goes, looks over at Bob, and he goes, like that. And Bob, like, stop.
1: I'm really? Like, oh, my
0: God. Oh, my God. Yeah. He had that. There's guys that had that kind of like Patty had that. Him and Yeah. They had that kind of pull. So Patty goes, I'm like, Patty, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, man. And he, like, he goes, listen, you shoot on me all the time. It didn't hurt just because it hit that chin guard. It sounded terrible. He's like, you shoot on me all the time. The puck flipped up on me. Well, Patty Like, And I'm like a four flying guy or whatever. Like, he could have screamed at me he could have yelled and he was like, don't worry about it. So I was like, okay. And then the one time I did shoot high on him, I shot the high glove on him. I had two one one. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a good. Oh, you yeah. buried it. Okay, sick. Oh, sick. it was a great shot. Great, it was practice, but great shot. <laughs> and I'm like, woo! I didn't pump. Like, I didn't. I just like entered in my inner. I went in the corner. I was like, you yeah, know, like, yeah. So the next time, down on the two on one. <clears throat> and people don't know us, but I don't know. Like, so goalies can have their own rooms, but uh, Patty Waugh and uh, Adam Foot from their Quebec days, they were still roommates. So I'm coming in on two on one. I don't know who I was with. Maybe Alex Tangy or something. Well, Adam puts one He goes, like, right next to Tangy. I'm going down the right side, left-handed shot. And Patty Wall, like, literally gives me, like, half an inch like this. Go ahead. Like, he's giving it, you know, go for it. I'm like, I got to shoot it. You know, like, take the shot. He like, Take the shot. So he's like this. And I'm like, I got to shoot. So I rip it. And he just goes, I like guess he goes, And just catches it. And I go on the corner throws it at me. He goes, not this time, kid. I love that. Like, he, in fact, it, he knew that I scored on him. And it not did it bothered him, but he was that competitive. And, like, people ask, like, you know, if kids and stuff and players, like, what, you know, what, like, guys are like. And, you know, everyone knew what they had to do in practice in the playoffs and whatever stuff. and stuff. But, like, Patty, while I was at competitive, like, it bothered him and I scored on him. But he gave me half the net knowing I was probably going to shoot. But that's how good he was. He's like, go yeah. ahead, try and score on me. And I was like, well, I have to. I have to try and score. <laughs> and it was just I loved. It. Like, I just, I was like, I, was I, like, I, I, like I thought I, I was like, I ripped that.
1: Yeah, that's one of the coolest stories I think I've heard since I started. I like that a lot because man, that's you're sharing some awesome stories. I appreciate that. Let me go down the roster for a second just to refresh people's memory here on that uh, that team. Um leading the way, obviously, Joe Sakic with 118 points that year behind him, Peter Forsberg, Milan Hayduke, Alex Tange, Chris Drury, Ray Bork, Deadmarsh is on that team, Podine, Skula High Note, man. Uh, you see, Adam Foote, Rob Blake was there, uh, for right, like, holy shit. Scott Parker was there, Uh, obviously, Patty Waugh. Um, yeah, like that, uh, that's a crazy team. And I'm looking, there's asterisks beside, there's, uh, there's five Hall of Famers on that team by my count. I'm not the best at math. One, two, three. Yeah, five Hall of Famers on that team. So, um, you know, that's pretty cool, man. You get to hold those stories on forever. And and being there when, uh, you know, Bork was there and he gets to lift the cup, how cool was that? Like, was that a big moment for the whole team? or?
0: <clears throat> yeah, it was um, – I mean, it was unbelievable. But I want to tell a quick story because they just put the video out. So, on this day in 1999, well, Joe Sack is his 1,000 points.
1: Really? Okay. You're
0: talking about how good a team... Oh, yeah, yeah. This happened, like, uh, maybe a week ago. So okay. I saw the tweet by the Avalanche. I think someone tweeted at me or something. So I watched the video. Well, So our team was that good, and our, de- our defense were that good when we picked up Blake. In. So with Bob Harley, we'd dress d and then we'd be myself and Jeff Rodgers on the floor line. And they rotate either Forsberg or Sackett between us. So in the first period, I get to play with Peter Forsberg. Like life's great right? scored eight goals that year. Guess who they were assisted by? Second <laughs> period was sacking. Third period was fourth. I mean it's like go get the puck, give it to him, get open, take a one timer. So I had eight goals that year. And one of them was a tip and it was on the power play Brian Rolson in Jersey against Marty Bordera. I can remember my goals because I didn't score that many. Um but so Sachs is at nine hundred and ninety-nine in the video. So before the game, you know, he's talking with Peter, hey right? it's get it done the first period, whatever. And like you know, this I love giving sacks our time. Sacks is just a really quiet guy, good leader. But like Adam Foot was a vocal, you know, sheriff I guess or leader. And Sacks was like just a quiet guy. He was in the gym every day. He's just unbelievable shape. His vehicle was like ridiculous. Like just a great example for young players and whatever. And he go and work on a shot. Anyways, so before the game we're talking about. It. And I go, hey Sacks, man. He's like, what? I said, hey, I don't want to like, you know, like. You Know you might want to get it done in the first period because in second period you got to play with me, and there's a lot of really good players in this room and future all favors. I don't think you want my name on that, I'm sure you want someone else. He's like, I to beat it, dish, you know. Blah, blah. And then, sure enough, like second period, he you know went in. If you watch the video, he tried to shoot, and he got knocked, tipped down, then he passed it. And I think he was passing to Samus Ozilich because I watched the video. I remember I just went flying in, I took a slapper, so I score. And I think I almost like body checked Sanders Oswich and I'm like, Woo, you see the video, and I'm like pumped and then so Adam Floyd, my buddy, who just turned me all the time. He's like, They're not cheering for you, yeah, but he ain't holy. I'm like, I don't know, but I'm just so excited. And I was like, It was awesome. So I scored the goal, uh on Joe Sacking Styles so the Point, which is unbelievable. I had no business yeah.
1: That's that's freaking awesome, man. That's that's that is so cool, bro. I got to go back and watch that video for sure. I wish I had it to show people. I'll have to put it up in the clip and be like, this is who I just had on the pod, man. Um, yeah, I shared too. I have a, I don't know where it is, but it was just right. Or I think it's in my room over there now, but I actually won rookie of the year in Swift Current, my rookie season and, and Sakik, That's my claim to fame being on the same- same trophy as joe sackett because he was the rookie of the year back in the 80s right but he's oh, also yeah. from, you know we're born in the same hospital uh, also darren mccarty was born in that hospital so d mac is a friend of mine he always makes jokes and says like you know he'd sackett took all the skill from that hospital and he left us with not too much he i mean he got four stanley cups so he's doing all right um but hey uh, <clears throat> you're you're full of stories man like you're really uh oh i and- never
0: answered your question though
1: I don't like, care for Ray yeah, Bork please. to win. I'll answer but the yeah, question
0: answer, answer it. That's, it's yeah, dope. It just, <clears throat> so, yeah, to answer the question, that's why I go off on tangents all the time. cared. Just talk. But, um, I love it. Yeah, but Ray was so good because it was like win one for Ray, win one for Ray. And he was like, fuck that, win it for yourself. And there was all this pressure. And <clears throat> we're down 3-2 going into Jersey. And Marley gives a speech like, yeah, hey, you know, whatever. And it was like, okay, you know. And then Ray Bork stands up. And it's like that Braveheart still gives me like chills on my arm, you know, like air stand up. And he's like, You fucking guys, he's like, I came back because I believed in you. I don't like any of this shit or whatever, blah blah blah. We're gonna go, we're gonna win this game, and we're going back, we're winning game seven and home being like, So who's with me? And we're like, Who? like He's was like, Breatham. So like we went out and we pounded him, like I think it was like five one or five-nothing or something. But so like he's dying, and then we get on the bus after, and you know, we have a beer or two, uh whatever on the bus, and he's like, We're not done yet, we gotta go home win game seven. And, like, he was so great. Like, he was, like, you know, all this stuff about win one for me. And he was, like, win it for yourself, you know, because you know, my name will be right next year. So he was so good in that sense. And, you know, I, I'd go for a beer with him. and He treated me like a, like an equal, like a buddy, which was unbelievable. Again, because I was, like, what, 23, 24. And I remember I said it one time, because every practice in the playoffs was optional. You know, it's like if you're the third or what? fourth line guy, it's not optional. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. optional. Or you take one <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you take one option and then – uh you yeah, have the lineup where the coach comes in and sees you there and he tells you to get your coat on, get out. So yeah. we'd all skate and whatever. And so, like, you know, like Sokik and other guys, they'd come out and skate. for They could leave whenever they wanted. Um, so they come out for, like, 10, 15 minutes or whatever. So, like, Bubba, like Ray Bork, we call Borky or Bubba. So Bubba's out there all the time. And I finally said to him was like, Bubba, man, what are you doing? I'm Like, take the offs. I would. Like, like, dude, you're, like, 42 years old, man. Take the offs. He goes, first of all, I'm only 41. So we have a job. Second of all, if I... If I don't skate, I might not be able to get a bed. And tomorrow, my back hurts so much. I was like, "Okay, man, do whatever." You want. But like, he just loved it. Like, he loved being on the ice and skating. And uh, yeah, he was like, so he did. He was like, he was like one of the last like wooden stick guys. I think Spezza might have been the last guy, right? But Borky Sherwood guy. And I tell you what, they like, give everyone a pattern. He asked where a Bork, so uh, like, so he got like twenty-four sticks, and you go through and you flex them, and you keep like twelve. So like, you know, when he came to town. Like, there's sure guys there every, like, you know, every other week, whatever. And it was great. So, I was like, hey, man, can I get a I try? Beer. I did. I had three sticks and three blades in, like, like six days, which is, like, not hurt. Like, for, like, the 4 flying guy, you're not getting that. but like, Ray Boric broadcast for him. So, like, I still have them Like, I kept, I tried to keep a stick from every year. and You know, yeah. I got him to sign some sticks for me and stuff. But, yeah, it was right. just stuff like that. Like, he was, in the end of the year, like, the first year, he wasn't sure if he was coming back. He had all the sticks out. And he was signing sticks for whoever. I was like, hey, you know, it's okay, if I get a signed stick. And he's like, sure. How many do you want? I was like, I don't know, two, <laughs> three. Like, he was just, like, all those guys. So he was a great guy, you know, treated me good. All those guys. Like, that's, like, even Ray really Bork went in in St. Louis. We're going into double or triple overtime. And he's just, like, Bob's killing the top guy. He went in there and told Bob to play him last and roll the lines. Like, he wanted to win that bad. So that's something I like to tell people is that. You know, like, everybody wants ice time and younger kids, and you got to get all this ice time. You you're asking about kids in training. And, like, sometimes there's too much. Like, there's too much training. There's too much ice time because you're just dead. And, you know, Ray Bork wanted to win that bad. He went in and told the coach to play him less. Like, that's unbelievable. Like, a lot of guys wouldn't do that. Like, there's not very many guys in, you know, minor hockey, the American League, you know, Europe or in the NHL that would do that. And He wanted to win that bad. that, you know, he knew he couldn't – he could play – you know, 25, 28, but he couldn't play like 30, 32 minutes. Not only that, but we had, you know, Greg DeVries and Apple and Rob Blake and Martin School and like we had some great defensemen, you know, and John Clamp. So yeah, just stuff like that. I just love telling those stories because he's just such a great iconic player and just wanted to win. And he's just so good to treat me well and treat all the guys well and the trainers. Our poor trainer though. Like he had to have his wrist tape at the five minute period, you know, like the cloth yeah. tape, whatever. He'd yeah, give his yeah. wrist tape. You know, you know it's like, right? I had to take mine and, but like our poor trainer, like uh Pat Carnes, like he's running around, like him and the other one, Matt Sokolowski, he's still there. Like like they were like, they didn't know what to do because we got, you know, Peter needed his stuff done, right? He needed his ankles taped or something. And Patty needed something and Sax needed something. And when Ray came town oh my God, the poor guy, like he was just like, didn't know what to do because they all need treatment, right? He got bad ankles and stuff. and you know, and they rating right, his wrist tape, like, right at the, like, five-minute mark. It was, oh, wait, I got him put. It's like, look at, that, look at him running around. He doesn't know what to do. Look at He doesn't know Who's the ass to kiss? It's, like, so funny. finally got but poor guy, man. Like, he's like, 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 what Hall of Famer do I help? Like, which one do I actually help or so? Yeah, it was, uh, it was it not was, a bad it was problem good. to have, though, is it?
1: That's not a bad problem to have, though, is it?
0: Yeah, I didn't have to worry about getting my wrist tape. I knew to tape my own. so <laughs> Or get it done at the 10-minute mark or <laughs> in the intermission.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, before I – hey, we've been going over an hour. I don't want to keep it too much longer, but i I actually really like to get you on again because this has been a lot of fun. I, I honestly didn't anticipate uh, all these stories. I, I wasn't really – you never know what to expect when getting people on, but before I let you go <laughs> – Um, You know, obviously winning as one Stanley Cup, man, that is the dream. Right. Uh, And, you know, you did it alongside those guys and then you get to do it again. Um, You know, with Tampa Bay, that's a team that was a team that I was signed to for the short period of time. And, and, uh, you know, from my, you know, my time that I loved, I loved Tampa. I wasn't really there, but, you know, being mingling with the team and stuff like that that organization uh, is great, but can you compare the two Um, before I let you go? Can you compare winning, you know, one, uh, because I've talked to guys where it's like, you know, you're young. Um you kind of young both times, but uh do you ever expect to get back there? And uh is one more special than the other? I hate to ask that because it does you never want to like say that because of your teammates, but were you able to maybe 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 not more special? Did you were you able to <coughs> enjoy one more than the other? And before I let you go, who's the toughest guy you ever fought, in your opinion? Who hit you the hardest?
0: Oh, wow. Everybody. Oh.
1: <laughs> that that was Chris Knuckles Nylon's answer. He's like, I will not tell you who's the toughest guy. They were all tough. And I'm like, hey, I respect that answer, but can you just tell me who is? Yeah, I, just, I will,
0: yeah, yeah. I, like, either was tough in junior, like, so we had some battles. And, uh, man, he was tough. We were fighting. We, we went out to San Jose one time, and, like, we're both throwing rights. And he switched to left, so he hit me with one or two and split me over for six. And I, like, almost fell back, and I came back. I hit him with two hammer fists, and... You know, I ended up on top of him and I broke his nose, so I'm skating off and I'm bleeding. <clears throat> and all the fans in Saskatoon are cheering. <clears throat> and I'm skating off the ice and I'm pointing at him, like, hey, take a look, because his nose was busted and he was bleeding everywhere. And so we met at the draft and stuff, and all I went want to talk about the draft is, like, oh, I heard Paul Like a lot of times. Like, Who won? I was like, well, I won one for sure, because I'll take six zippers over a broken nose any, like, any day of the week. And so Beeler was tough, like in the NHL, but in junior, like, he was – but in the NHL, like, I have a top three. Um, it's Laroque, uh Grimson, and uh, Probert, those guys. Like, Proby was scary as hell. Grimson hit me one time. It was in Calgary. I wanted to fight him the whole game, and he didn't want to fight me. And he finally did, and I wish he wouldn't, have because uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I couldn't. It was like I had water in my ear for, like, three days. It was ridiculous. It was real. Like, he hit me so hard. It was like, I. you know, when you have that, like,
1: yeah. He yeah, I was like
0: oh, all about oh. it. Yeah, he obviously I didn't remember very well, but he obviously hit me with a very good one. So that's my top three. And then um uh, as far as the cups, like which one's better? Um there's not one that's better.
1: Uh I would just say
0: like like in in, in Denver, it was like with the abs, it was like the expectation was to win and it was awesome. And we did. If we would have lost, it would have sucked, it would've been brutal, but um it was just all of it was like the pressure and just like everyone was all in, like it was all about winning. And you know, for the wives, like they gave them flowers and stuff. And like you're a big part of this, you know, because you're away from your family. So was, like guys are talking about the bubble, and I'm like, if you want a cup, like you live like we'd stay in the hotel night for a game. You know, and then you would play and travel. Like you barely see your family. You know, my wife, I just had to handle tickets, whatever. I'm I'm out. I'm playing hockey, so you don't really see your family that much. So like obviously being in the bubble where you can't leave or whatever, but you really don't see the family that much. It's the commitment. It's the two-month journey or whatever. It's two and a half months or two in a bit, or whatever. It's like, get the process of it. And you're in the hotel with the guys. You're playing cards. And, you know, so Denver was, like, unbelievable in that sense. And Tampa was great, too, for the fact that – I, I just say the difference is is in, in Denver, <clears throat> we had established superstars, like Forsberg and Saki. Drew was already a great player. And Tangs had already scored 20 or 30, right? And, you know, Blake and Patrick and whatever. You know, Ray Bork, he had all these guys. <clears throat> and in Tampa, he had up-and-coming superstars. Like, I don't think people realize, like, that was a Brad Richards won uh, Conn Smythe, and he scored, like, yeah. over 14 playoff goals from on one timers from uh, Dave Anderchuk. And That's Tampa, right. scored two in Game 7. And then Vain Cavalier, and then Marty St. Louis, you know, was a great player. But, like, all those – and Dan Boyle was my roommate for a couple years, great guy. Like, <clears throat> so all those guys, like, they went from, like, here to – you know, so I, I don't want to – like, I'm, I don't think I'm being disrespectful. But they – like, to me, they went from, like, good players to, like, elite players. And then you see, like – you know, like, you watch the World Cup stuff, and they're all – like, those guys are all playing for Team Canada and stuff. So, like, there's a, like there's not one that's better uh, or worse or whatever. I just – like, it was just two different teams yeah. at the end of the – like, one's at the end of the spectrum almost, and, you know, one's kind of – so I just look at – <clears throat> you used to have guys that were – solidifying their name in the game and becoming that guy and then you know obviously Colorado we already had that and well not only that but like I didn't really expect to win so you know my wife and I got married to the justice of the peace because we had some immigration issues so we went and got married and went to the red hot chili peppers that was our wedding party oh yeah so was, yeah so we went to Orlando and uh at the Amway or whatever it was the arena there so that's my awesome. buddy who's my buddy Rich Russell gave give a plug he modulus guitars he got us backstage and Cause he was like, you know, they had the, like, flea, they had the flea base. So we're like, we're walking around backstage and Snoop dogs wheeled by with like, you know, 20 guys. And so that was our wing, whatever. And anyway, so we had uh we were going to have a stag stag yet. And we kind of planned it. Like I figured we'd go like, two, three rounds. And I wasn't really sure. So like, you know, this is back when I like, get, you know, the general from Stain was coming and all my friends from Edmonton, some, you know, more famous people and I had this one buddy text. I met him through Jean Pauline. He was a great guy. And, and, like, we win the first round. He's like, hey, you got a good matchup in the second round. Montreal, like, whatever. And he's like, you win that one then. You know, it looks pretty good. And he's like, you might want to push it back. So we started pushing in the weekend back. And so after the second round, he's like, hey, like, listen, you might just want to make it for – so I mean, it was long story short. We kept pushing our – our stags to get uh, – we kept pushing it back. So we won on a Monday night and I left on Thursday morning. So we partied Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Sunday, oh, my God, it was just like uh, – and then they asked me if I wanted to go to New York. Bill Wickett who's the he going like, to go to New York with Richie. I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. He's like, you want to go? Like, you remember VH1 and TRL, like Total Best Live? Like, yeah, of so course. Like, and I'm a music guy. Like I love that, man. New York, but I, I was hurting so bad, man. There's like too many vodka Red Bulls, and like, you only party so much. And I was like, oh god. He's like, hey, just you want to go to New York with Richie? He's like, Vinny was supposed to go, but he can't. I was like, ah, I don't know, man. Like i ah, just not. It kind of tired. He's like, well, they'll fly you and Chelsea, you know, the NHL in first class, and put you up and give the cup. And I was like, well, let me, Chelsea, you want to go to New York? She's like, yeah, sure. And so we went and did it. And then Richie, Richie flew home, so I had the cup to myself. Like, Chelsea and, and another friend, and like, we went to like Hogs and Efforts. We went to Nobu. Like, no problem getting to table when you have the cup. And like Leonardo oh. DiCaprio was there, and Giselle in like you know the the uh, model. And don't to care about them. Everyone wanted a picture of the cup and like there was a movie uh producer famous movie producer over a thousand dollar bottle of champagne and i was like you know like the, the waiter said you know hey you know this is from so-and-so whatever i don't want to say i said well tell him to come over like take pictures i know he just wanted to send his best and it was like and then i'm walking around times square and this is back in the uh, disposable camera days so like i go to just like an irish pub or a pub and put it on the bar and just have a beer and People are coming out and over these disposable cameras, and, I take it, and I'm walking down the street, in New York, in New York City, and people would walk by and be like, "Is that Stanley Cup? Is that like they're looking?" It's just like it's just one of those trophies. So I consider myself you, very lucky to. Wait,
1: finger, uh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, when you when you're doing that, is there somebody traveling, watching the cup with oh, you? Oh
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's right.
0: So, so the cup guy, I had, <clears throat> I had him in Denver, and we were. Uh, so we were out, to, you know, we went from one bar to another. We went on a rooftop bar, and, like, I hoisted or someone else did. And then it was, like, so we're going to the other one. It was getting later in the evening. And there was, like, 200 people on the street. Well, I had a cup, and the cup guy's there. <clears throat> and people just, like, swarmed me. And the cup guy got knocked down. And uh, Stefan Yell's uh, girlfriend at the time, his wife now, she got knocked down. Wow, and I'm, like, a- literally holding the cup, like, up top. And I'm, like, I'm not dropping this thing. And I don't go down. And I get to the other bar, and the, the, the cupkeeper, he was like, oh, my God, that was unbelievable. I thought you were going down. I'm like, I'm not dropping this thing on my watch. No way, no how. So after that, like, there's a couple of them that travel around. You think it's the best job ever, but all you do is go from party to party. And, you know, you're up to oh. whatever, too. And, like, yeah, but the had something say, like, one guy I had a uh, wall. He was a teacher. And he's just like, so they're <laughs> like, you know, I could stay with you or I can get room, But, you know, if you're going to go somewhere, wake me up. I'm going to bed. So they they kind of let me, uh, like they, they trusted me, I guess. So it was so they, in my place. The guys like, I'm going to bed. Just let me wake me up if you want to go somewhere. You it's because I didn't drop it. So yeah, there's a cup guy and there's cool. a reason why I sold my one cup party. Whatever. I know we went over an hour, but
1: no, i um, it's, it's not a problem. My the problem is I don't want to keep you over an hour. I uh, don't I've, worry about I've been two hour shows. It doesn't matter about that.
0: Uh, so the cup guy, <laughs> so the one cup guy I had. I had uh, like just a private party, whatever. And he, he's got the gloves and the jacket. You're waiting for him, And so we would wheel around a bunch of places. And then, so we're going to the, you know, I rent a place at uh, Royal Gennaro or whatever and buy a bunch of beer. And So my investment guy, he's with this wedding planner and they are trying to plan how much like alcohol you need. And we're like 20, 24. I think at the time, my friends are all, hey, and yeah. like, so they're, they're accounting for this. They're like, Okay, so this man, I'm like, I don't think you know my friends. Like, they can, you know, drink, especially it's, you know, paying for it. So, like, I ah, know this is good. Like, this wedding planner, she's like, oh, I know, I've done a lot of these. This is, you know, we run out of beer at midnight. So my investment guy's got to go buy more beer, which is fine, whatever. But I'm like, I told you, like, if it's free, <laughs> like, we return some wine and stuff. Whatever, but everybody was not. So the cup guy, he's got the jacket and gloves, like right? the white gloves. Yeah. And uh buddy of mine, Ben Hortice is a lawyer now. So he was, he was a funny guy, whatever. And so like, you know, like, these are all my friends from junior high and high school, whatever. And I have still friends from elementary whatever. Um, so I am kind of, I am an asshole sometimes, but I actually think I'm a nice guy. And I try to be nice to people and stuff, but whatever. Hawking stuff aside and punching people in the face. But so, so like I get a band and, uh, mustard smile and it was great. Cause they did my party and then they did my next party. And then like Daryl Sador came to my party. So he hired him and he flew him out to, uh, Oh, like the shoe shops or whatever uh scotch creek where his place and they these guys were like oh my god this is the best like we feel like really like they're just a cover band they had regular jobs but like bruce elite singer whatever and stuff anyways um so i played trump, so i get up and i was just playing you know tragically happy like whatever That's and i looked best. over yeah i looked over at my buddy so they had the cop over in the corner on a little like table with a black tablecloth and lights and you know i could take pictures and You think it's great, but after like two hours of standing there with your arms over your head and your pits are sweating and you're cramping up, it's not so much fun after a while. But um, anyways, so I'm playing drums and I look over Ben, my my buddy Benny. Like he's got the jacket on and the white gloves and he's got his arm on the top of the cup. He's like smiling away, big, you know, shitty and grin on his face. And I was like, "Ah, this is going to be a good party. So I was just dying. So I decided to tell that. uh, That's a great song. I love it.
1: Danger man honestly though I would you would you come back on again and and share some more stories about post post hockey and uh like, you know I really want you know typically that's what I talk about I don't have guys uh with with these I'm sure they have great stories but they haven't told this is this has been awesome man like honestly it's it's kind of been refreshing kind of this is I, I don't think I've smiled as as much in one podcast, maybe the one with Danny Probert, I smiled quite a bit because she's going to let me ride Bob Probert's Harley if I get a year uh, motorcycle experience in the Bob Probert oh, nice. ride. Yeah, that she made that agreement. There's you guys going at it right there, Big Bob and and number you. six. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that he, game.
0: That game. Yeah, go ahead, Sorry, I don't want to cut no,
1: you. No, 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 no. Please go, go, go.
0: Yeah, that's like so, Yeah, that's awesome. He rides one of his choppers. That's awesome because he was like the guy. So I got called up, Michelle Galilee. When I got traded, I was in the Flurry deal. Flurry went to Colorado and I went to Hershey's. Yep. And everyone's like, Oh my god, Hershey's a great, you know, what a great place. I'm like, it's a great place to raise a family, but when you're like 22, 23, it's kind of boring. And uh, whatever. Anyway, so Mike Lino and Jay Wells, this will be a prelude to our next when I come on again. <laughs> so I get called up and it was between me and Scott Parker because Park, she was the first rounder. Yep. And Park, she was tough. And but he was struggling a little bit, I guess. So I get the call. Michelle Goulet comes out, you know. Michelle Goulet, yeah, of course, comes out. You know, you know they were bringing you up, whatever, because they played Chicago back to back, and like all Colorado, they had Rifle and they had Rodgers, and you know that was kind of it. And they had, you know, got him foot with fighting, not a fighter, right? And uh, Chicago had like Brad Brown and Bob Rover and Reed Simpson and Jamie Allison and, and Boy, like he had Murderer's mm-hmm. Row, man. And Lauren Mulkin was a coach, Mooner. So oh, yeah. yeah, so anyways, I get called up and this is a wooden stick uh, era. So I do four sticks up. But it takes me forever because I want to round the top and like, doesn't matter because I'm not scoring anyways. my curve them, I tape them and I'm like a master woodworker, man. Like, so, anyway, <laughs> so I do all this stuff. I break one and warm up. Well, I play a minute and 52 seconds and I line up after a goal and people always ask, like, what happens before fighting? You know, you know, whatever, like, stuff gets said. So I line up and I don't, I'm just looking down and I'm wearing number six because that would be last year, I guess. And um, so Bob Prober comes up and lines up next to me, and he goes, so you your coach send you out here to give me a try? I was like, what? And he goes, did your coach send you out here to give me a try? And I was like, no, but if you want to go, we can. And he goes, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. But he asked me, like, uh, I just still laugh. Like, he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, sure. So he gave me time to think about it? And I, and I just remember I did, I did. I beat him in the first one. I just remember guys, keep swinging dinger. You know, to the boxer. Yeah. Jeff Hodges just came over. I was like, How's my face? Am I bleeding? You know, he's like, Oh no, you do good, whatever. And then he wanted to fight me. It's long story short. I think I, I played a minute and fifty-two seconds. And I had like 17 minutes billings or something. So I, before the game, Bob Hardy gives me all you know, hey, do the job, I'll keep here, I don't care, whatever. Blah blah blah. Well after the game he calls me and hey, you know, we got guys coming back from you send you back on. I was like, Okay. So what's only happening? He goes, uh well, you need to lose 10 pounds. You can't play at 246. And I played here before at 246 in Calgary and, you know, like 8%, 8.5% body fat. So I'm, like, I'm down or whatever. And uh, so, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to quit, right? Because I fight prober twice and then I get, you know, I get sent down, which whatever. I understood I probably get sent down, but then I told him too heavy and I got to lose weight. So I go down. And, like, so this is like our prelude to the next time is it. so people that make a difference. And Mike Felina, one of the best people and J. Wells, the coaches in Hershey. And Mike was one of the best guys. I go down and I'm down and he's like, what's going on? There? And I said, I don't, I don't want to quit, man. And he's like, why? And I said, well, I can fight Prover twice. And then like, he gave me, you know, Bob gave me a song and dance about how oh, I do the job or whatever. <clears throat> Keep me yada, yada, yada. And he goes, I can't control that. You know, a holes going to do up there, but down here, you're going to play. So he's like, you know how to lose weight. Just ride the bike. Cause I had to ride the bike for 60, you know, Bob's like you to ride the bike 60 minutes after every practice. So he's like, I don't care. You know, you're gonna play. Just lose the weight. And he was the best. Like I told him, like, so I, you know, I rode the bike, and he played me like four and four time. And so next year, you know, I go and then I uh, win, and he was up. So like actually, he called up on one of the Black Aces when we worked out together, and it was funny. He said to my, he talked to my wife and my parents. He's like, I knew we'd be good. Like he would, and he was so proud of me. And uh, but he was the reason. Like if it wasn't for him, I probably would have packed it. I just, you know, i had been sent down by Calgary, and. You know, just you get—it's part of hockey, I guess, right? But uh, you take it personally, and I don't want to get choked up or anything. But like, if it wasn't for him, I would quit. And so, I sent him a message on LinkedIn because he was promoting something for his daughter and stuff. And I just said, "You're one of the best people." He's like, "I'm." He said, "I'm so proud of you, like what you did in your career." Like that was just awesome. He was there. I gave him a big hug and stuff. And he was just to the side because they had all the black case guys. And him and Jay were there and he was just what, you know, he was just there, but he, you know, he was really staying out of it. And I was like, thank you so much. And So, you know, you're like people for you and stuff. And I always like to say that too, like people that, you know, obviously my parents and stuff and my wife and have a big effect on your life. But like, he was one of like people was asked, like Mike and Jay, like Mike Flea Jay Wells a huge part of my, you know, just, just like whatever, yeah. just how you doing. He was the first guy, like when I got set down, he's like, how you doing? I said, man, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, what, what, what more am I supposed to do? Like, fight prober twice, like, you know, yeah. whatever. So, yeah, so anyways, like, so I don't want to get too soft and, like, uh, No, no, man. That. Or whatever, but I just want to give him a plug because he, man, he's an awesome guy. Like, just great, and we go, like, when we were training and stuff, we go to, he loved to bet on the dogs. We go to Dave and Buster's for lunch. We, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you got to do a trifecta. And I'm like, what's a trifecta? Maybe we're betting, like, a dollar or $2 yeah. or whatever anyway so it was great so it was uh yeah he was awesome so like i just decided to tell that story that uh mike like mike flane was on the and jay Wolf so two guys that were awesome instrumental and i got to eat chocolate in hershey pennsylvania
1: they yeah man I actually played I didn't play there I played in Norfolk but I got to play in Hershey and I I, you know they had some amazing fans when I played there. they had a really good team and they ended up winning it I think that year uh back in 09 I believe um but yeah what I mean you got so many great stories and I think that's a great a great place to end it just because that will lead us in for the next episode like there's a huge side to the game that people don't really see and and get to understand like the things that you know, oh, you do this, and I'll keep you around. Then you do it, and then they send you down in the mind games, and and the emotional side of the game, and the things that players deal with on a daily basis, um, and the outside pressures, the inside pressures, the trying to trying to just survive as a as an NHL player is is extremely extremely difficult uh, on the body on the mind on the soul and on the family so um you know i i would say the same thing as him man i'm be proud of yourself that you fought through that because you know you could have easily packed it in right then and there and you didn't and uh look what happened right like you know yeah
0: that it, is it's awesome man Persevere, man
1: it's pretty cool man yeah yeah, man. So, hey, Dinger, listen, I'm going to let you go. But when uh, let's do this again in like, I don't know, like a, a week or two, whenever you have the time, you let me know. Because uh, this was honestly, man, I have I told you, I've been waiting to talk to you since I was 17 years old. No joke. And it makes me happy. I can't wait to call Mike Hangin right now and be like, hey, guess who told Chris Dingman about the Dingman story? It was Milan Lucic, which already tells me. That that can verify where Dingman started. Not that it matters, but look, it was on. You're on Letter Kenny, man. They, I don't even think they know. They might not even know. Go back and watch it. They're like, oh, throwing a dinger. It's it's crazy. So, anyways, man, thank you so much. Um, get out there on the ODR um, with the with the boys. Try to keep up, man. And uh, they have a great role model. Um, and it sounds like you got a great woman uh, holding down the household too. So, um, Yeah. All the best to you, man. And I truly appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Guys, that's episode number 14 with Chris Dingman. What man? I love it. I love doing this shit. I love it. I feel extremely grateful and fortunate uh, that I get to do this twice a week. Um, (laughs) <laughs> he didn't want to get choked up but now I'm getting choked up because if I sit back and I think about <laughs> everything and I think about the stories that, you know, that I told about the ding man at 17 and watching him on the TV and, and being there with, uh, you know, my best buddy hangy and going down the path that I did. And, and, and just, I, you know, this was always a dream for me was to talk to Chris Dingman. And whether you guys think it's worth, a dream worthy or not, it's you nobody will understand. Hangy knows the boys in Swift know um that it is so much more than just w- where it started. Like, I'm not kidding, our cars were that, or making food was that. And uh it makes me it makes me happy. Um that you know, Chris Dingman is so much more than I would have ever imagined Uh, sharing those stories you know he doesn't have to come on this show he doesn't you know it doesn't do anything for him Um, but it certainly did something for me and um, I hope that you guys um, had fun listening today it wasn't a serious podcast by any means but I anticipate our part two will get a little bit heavier um because I could see a big teddy bear in there a little bit he you know he likes to talk and he's got stories and and uh I'm you know thanks Dinger for sharing that stuff the hard stuff about you know Hartley and and being sent up and down like these are these are issues that affect our our psychology as a as hockey players and that's a huge thing uh with puck support where Where the support comes in, either it's for current players, coaches, past, present, doesn't matter. You recognize uh, yourself as part of the hockey community, then that's what we're here for. So, guys, if you're listening, please, please subscribe to this channel on YouTube, the Puck Support Podcast Network. Please subscribe. Hit the little notification. If you're listening via audio, thank you. If you're at work... You know, hopefully you're hearing stuff that helps you get through your days. Um, but yeah, if you're on audio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, please subscribe if you can rate and review, leave a comment, a share if you liked it. Uh, those are the things that really helped me uh, help me get the show out there because it takes a lot to, to promote it. I don't have the money to pay for advertising. Um, so that's how it's done is is through word of mouth. And um there's been a few people, not even a few, quite a few people that have uh, done a lot for myself. And, uh, you know, I don't have time. We're already an hour and a half in, but you guys know who you are. Um, Thank you. And thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting what I'm doing. But more importantly, thank you for being open minded. I'm taking a chance on a guy that (sighs) wasn't good guys. It, It really wasn't good. And, uh, Starting to get a little more comfortable on here. I think I'll start telling uh, some more stories, uh, war stories. I'll show you guys who I, uh, you know, who I was before, who I was during my addiction and uh, who I am now and, and who I'm continually working to become. So it's a process and your support is what keeps me going. So thank you. Hello to all my family. I miss you guys lots. Mom, dad, everybody out there in BC. I'll be coming home soon. Brooklyn, Brody, Taylor and I and the kids uh, are planning a trip to uh, come see you guys very soon. I got to. Such a crier. I'm such a pussy. But I'm not because I'll fight anybody. But anybody. Anybody. That's my problem. I don't think before I act. So... Sorry, I'm my nose is running, but these are the things that I'm learning today, and uh, it's a process. So again, um, Zach Cassian, no problem here with me because I literally laughed it off, and uh, you know I learned something from it. But I hope he can too, because at the end of the day, what if I was a huge Zach Cassian fan, and uh, you know him telling me to go fuck myself? Never mind that first message. Holy, it was bad, but it doesn't matter. I've done the listen. I'll say that I've done the exact same thing, the exact same thing, where I've said something last out and had to go back and delete it. Right? I'm sure a lot of people have. So he's not—he's a human. He he deals with things too. Just like you know, makes mistakes and still and whatever. However, I needed to talk about it because to me it was a it was an opportunity for me to learn something and uh, and hopefully, Cass. And, and if even if he never hears this, um, hopefully everybody else watching can maybe be like, okay, yeah. Maybe we can learn something or tell me if you think I should have just kept it quiet, but anything, anybody that knows me, I'm never quiet. I was, uh, the biggest chirper in the WHL had the biggest beak, but, uh, could kind of back it up too. not at first. though. I had to learn, I had to learn that, uh, you know, you better uh, be able to back it up if you're going to run your mouth. So you know what guys I'm going to go cause I could talk here all day and, uh, Yeah. There's a couple other things though, before I go that I'm missing. I know. I want to say too, that puck support is never looked better. Um, It's never been in better hands. Um, Obviously I'm going to be, can remain the face of puck support. And I'm good with that. It is the end of the day. It's, it's something that i kind of came up with but you know it wasn't it's not about me right so if you want to get involved if you want to you want to help out i say it all the time we have so many great people getting involved we're really starting to dial things in like i've been saying that for a while but you know because i was trying and i was trying so hard and i was just spinning my wheels guys I, fuck, i was spinning my wheels um starting to gain some traction we're not there yet um, I should say I'm not there yet, but I feel better than I've felt in a long, long time. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty great. So thank you, Susan, uh, for having me in your house. And uh, yeah, it truly means uh, a lot to me because uh, as we talked about this morning, having a roof over your head is uh, the number one, uh, I, I think, priority because, you know, as a homeless person, somebody that was homeless for almost a year and... know I've couch surfed longer than that Um, it's it's not a good place to be it's not it's not even a okay place to be it's the worst place to be so I'm so grateful so grateful that you guys all tuned in live Uh, I'm sorry that we didn't get to any questions I didn't really see any come in Um, David Carlson hello to you Dana McClellan, hello to you. Thank you for watching. Yes, David, I agree. Awesome stories. Awesome stories. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We are back again Thursday. Thursday at 4 p.m. Right here. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Shout out to my favorite TV show ever, The Batman from the 1960s. Adam West, Burt Ward. That's right. That's my favorite. Um... Who do we got? We got Terry Ryan Sr. and Terry Ryan Jr. Holy shit. You want to prep yourself for that podcast? Go over to Barstool Sports or Google. Type in, this is what you type in, Terry Ryan Road Warriors or Paul at Road Warriors does P-E-I. Biz Nasty went all the way to Mount Pearl out on the East Coast to do a feature on Terry Ryan, but his dad stole the show. And holy shit, is it funny. So Thursday is going to be a blast. My good friend Terry Ryan and his dad, Terry Ryan Sr., 4 o'clock Eastern, right here on YouTube. You don't want to miss it. I swear to God, uh, there's something else. So I can't wait. I hope you guys thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Um, If you're struggling, reach out. Seriously, you do not have to struggle alone. Uh, there's nothing that anybody can tell me. And there's other people I know that can say the same. That is other, you know, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to say that there's nothing you can do. I will, you know, talk to anybody and talk anybody through anything. It doesn't mean that I have the answers, but I can share my experiences, uh, offer my ear and, uh, let you know that you're not alone. And if you're not comfortable talking to me, find somebody who you are comfortable with, because, It will, it's the start. You have to get honest and talk about it and whatever it is, mental health, addiction, depression. um, That's where it starts. Get honest with yourself. Get honest with others. Start doing little things, moving in the right direction. Stop and think. This one's for you. Keep it simple, stupid, right, Susan? That's what we said the other day. So anyways, that's it. I keep saying it. Thank you guys. Um, If everybody could say a little prayer for uh Taylor and I to get into a place soon just it would make things a lot easier. I'll still be here at Susan's probably more than she wants me to, but um we need a we need a place to call home. So if anybody in, you know, has a spare few seconds tonight before bed or right now, seriously, please. Um cuz we need we need that. Things are not the greatest, but we're fighting to get them there. Thanks for watching guys. Go Canada go. Go, Canada, go. Going for gold tonight. My prediction right now, four, I want to say zero because he's so good, but I think they're going to get one. Four, one, Canada. Go, Canada, go. Have a great day, guys, if you so choose.